Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Casualties. Today is a special episode. I have uh, Mr. Cody Vibbert here, who will who made the movie The Exigency, which I probably mispronounced. You'll see that a lot here. Um, so, Cody, uh, if you will, um, say hello and kind of give everyone an idea of what this movie is. Hi, well, thanks for having me, Zach. Um, yeah, so this is a movie I've been working on for... Uh, 13 years, finished in 2019. I started in 2006, and it was uh, a crazy journey. Um, it's fully animated. It's a uh, sci-fi film. Uh, you can find out about it at uh, exigencymovie.com. has all of my story and journey in making this. So um, it's just a, it was a wild ride and very, um, learned a lot from it. So um, looking to take what I've learned and uh, apply it to my future projects. Um, that being the the sequel to this film. Um, well, actually, there's going to be a, it's going to be a trilogy. So um, a lot of work still ahead after even after 13 years. So looking forward to it. So uh, just to kind of get a little background on it. So what kind of gave you the idea for this film? <laughs> Uh, I, I knew I wanted to make a film, so I was kind of pacing around in my house, and um, I wanted to make something that was outrageous and ridiculous and over the top. Um, because before this, I was making another animated film uh, called Paradise, which I got through like the first five scenes. I spent like, I don't know, six months or a year on it, I don't remember, but uh, I just wasn't into it. Like, I lost interest. And I thought, like, this is pretty boring. I want something more with more energy, more excitement. Uh, so I started this film. Um, and I started with just the basic idea of a guy waking up uh, in his house, like just waking up one morning and looks out the window and there's two UFOs coming at him. And I kind of just, you know, thought like, OK, you know, the, the classic scenario is the UFOs are going to attack Earth. Um so I thought, like, what if I made it a little different to where the UFOs were coming for this guy specifically? Like, how could I use that? Like, that's an interesting concept. So just by answering those questions and building it from there, it kind of everything just kind of snowballed into what it became. And, you know, you end up with this really elaborate uh, story that is, you know, still ongoing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where it evolved from. You know, um, you mentioned it's ongoing. Do you have like this whole story, like I don't necessarily mean storyboarded, but planned out from beginning to end? And mm. was it always that way, or did it just kind of, kind of get built as you were making it? Uh, mostly, it kind of got built as I was moving along, because I, I did start without even knowing what I was going to end up with, uh, which was a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely you want to plan things out as much as you can, especially when making a film, especially like an animated film, um, because you, you know, y y it's not easy to just go back and redo things. Um, a lot of times it takes forever, um, which is the biggest mistake that I made. You know, I'd look back at old scenes and think like, oh, I have to rewrite that. I'll have to just reanimate it. And, you know, that takes months. That's just and that adds up to years and years of wasted time. Uh, realistically, like this sh film straight through shouldn't have taken 13 years um, at all. Like that was mainly due to my just poor planning and 
lack of not knowing what I was doing. Um, realistically, I should have probably finished the entire trilogy in 13 years. Like I should already be done. Uh, had I had everything planned out, um, that's how it should have gone. But, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, and luckily, uh, I'm aware of them and I've learned from them. Um, but, uh, you know, I've planned out, you know, where I'm going now from here. So I, you know, I can't go back and change what has been done so far. So now I am, am better planning out where I'm going with the sequel and also the third one as well. So with uh, it's starting out with a poser. That's the uh, one you used, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, poser seven. Um, now, did you learn that going to school? Did you have to go to school to learn that? Or was it kind of a was part of the process actually just learning the program and so forth? Uh, no, I, I self-taught uh, myself with, you know, that program. And I just I found it in a magazine or my my mom did back in like 98. There was an article on it in a magazine. I think it was Poser 4 back then. Um, and I was using a program called Bryce, which is a really old 3D program. I don't even know if they're still developing it, but um, yeah, I, I, I needed a, a program that made human characters that had them, you know, it had them pre-built and you would know it was the perfect tool for me at the time because Bryce was mainly used for environments. So I would build the backgrounds and the environment in Bryce and then you couldn't import poser characters into Bryce. So I would render out the background and then put the characters on top of it and just composite them. Um, and then over time, you know, I learned more and more. Um, I made a couple like feature length, I guess you can call them films, but you know, they're pretty bad uh, until I got to the exigency. Um, uh, but yeah, I kind of learned more and more as I went, uh, even with the exigency, like the beginning is, a bit rough but I think by the end it's a little bit better um, I think it's a combination of learning the program a little more thoroughly and also being more aware of what is aesthetically pleasing in terms of you know lighting and stuff like that so I think it was a combination of a lot of things now you mentioned um, at the beginning so uh, I know we're going to probably talk a little bit more about Austin McConnell since I'm sure he was a big part of <laughs> this film, but he mm-hmm. kind of theorized that you did the film in order in his mm-hmm. video. And I was wondering if there was any truth to that. Uh, for the most part I did. Uh, okay. yeah, I, I did start with the first scene and moved along generally like in the, in the time frame that the movie takes place, but I did go back a lot. So I would jump back to like the first scene after I'd reached scene 16 or 17 and redo stuff. So it was in a way, kind of all over the place, but for the most part, I did go pretty linearly. And is that going to carry over to the second and third one? I know you're using Blender and a different program and everything mm-hmm. now, but are you going to continue kind of in that sort of linear fashion, or is it not the most efficient way? Uh, I think I'm going to be uh, jumping in and out of different scenes. Like I've already gotten through, we have 18 minutes now. Uh, rendered and it's been just jumping around to different scenes like whatever I can do at that moment I'll, I'll be working on because I don't have a lot of the voice actors lines recorded yet so I'll jump to scenes that I do have lines for and I'll animate those around you know other other scenes so this is kind of more all over the place and less linear than the first one 
I read somewhere, and I, for the life of me, it may have been on IMDb when I was doing a little research on it. Mm-hmm. But I think it says one of the sites I read on said that the voice actors recorded their lines years in advance. <laughs> and and the, is that is that true or because that seems like you would do that last typically? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, a lot of them were recorded like when I first started. So I think most of the recordings took uh, place like 2008, 2009. Um, because I was I was doing the main character's voice all the way up through the last scene, and then I realized I hated my voice for that character, so I hired someone to do ADR for the entire movie, pretty much. Um, uh, Tom Haney, <clears throat> who I've never actually talked to in person. Um, I'm only communicated through to him through email, which uh, is crazy. But um, he had the voice I was kind of hoping for, so he. Uh, he did a great job on that but yeah i think most of them recorded in that range and then you know they didn't see the finished film until 2019 which is like 10 11 years later i feel like Uh, you know if i had done that i would have forgotten about it (laughs) yeah i think most of them did uh except for my family which my family you know some people in my family uh did record on site you know with me um most of the main cast is my family so you know they knew about it because I would talk about it occasionally, you know, in family gatherings or whatever. And, we'd, you know, they'd be reminded of it, you know, pretty consistently. But other people that I hired, you know, would totally forget about it. Now, through 13 Thanksgivings, did you have that doubt like that people were <laughs> like, he's never going to finish this? I don't even know if he's still working on it anymore. <laughs> it was an ongoing joke. Uh, you know, people would be like, you still work on that movie? <laughs> <laughs> You still uh, you still working on that? And then I'd you know jokingly just say no, I quit, or I would say you know I'm almost done. I'll be done tomorrow. Uh, when you know, of course, that wasn't true. So it was just I don't think anyone thought I'd actually be done. I didn't think I'd actually be done. I was like I I thought I would lose my mind before I would ever finish it. Um, but towards the end, I felt like I was. But yeah. <laughs> Which I think that kind of begs a good question. You know, when you're working on something for this long, there has to be almost like this feeling of over-perfecting something. Like, when do you just sit there and say, you know what, this scene's done. If I spend 20 more hours on it, I'm not going to get it that much better. Is there like that sense there, or is it just, do you just work, or do you just know when it's done? Yeah, things could always be better. And yeah, that's... I think that kind of just drove me crazy is like looking back on things and going, gosh, I can make that better, but it's going to take this long to do. And I've already gone back four times. Um, But yeah, so I had to get comfortable with telling myself to just accept the way it is and we have to move forward because I was 21 when I started working on this. And, you know, when you're 21, you have the, you have your whole life ahead of you pretty much still pretty young. And you start getting older and you start realizing the, the true like value of time and how scarce it is. And you think like, OK, wow, this is getting kind of insane. Uh, you know, when I reach 30 years old, you know, 31, 32, like I'm getting up there. And I'm just like, OK, I'm, my life is changing. I need to wrap this up, um, you know, and then just let things let things go. <laughs> Unless you have a team of people to help you out. Um, yeah, you just have to just let it be. Now, for two and three, are you a one-man show, or do you have a team this time? I have more of a team than I did uh, before. Um, I didn't have a 
you know, a huge team on the first one. I had a, you know, a few people help me out here and there, but it wasn't much. But I have a lot more people now. And by that, I mean, like, four or five people that are, you know, they regularly work on different things for me. Because I had to identify what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy about the 3D making world. Um, I don't like modeling environments. I don't like building them. It's just not my passion. I do enjoy the animation side of things, so I decided to stick with that uh, and then have everyone else build the environments. And, you know, I just send them notes, and they, you know, they do a great job on building the stuff that I don't necessarily enjoy building, so, which is cool. So you get to do all the fun stuff, and you leave the tedious <laughs> stuff to everyone else. <laughs> Truly, yep, absolutely. All the stuff that I don't have time to to learn because there's so much stuff that you know, in terms of like texturing, uh, that gets very involved. Um, that I it's so tedious, and I it's not my favorite thing to do. But I you have to learn the basics, right? You have to know generally how everything is put together, um, but you have to kind of be a master of of one thing and you know i'm more focused on the animation side and the directing directing side as opposed to anything else well that was one of the things i noticed when i watched the film was you seem to have put a lot and time and effort into the action sequences (laughs) because (laughs) they you know this don't ever take anything i say as a knock but i I think you have some self-awareness it's better than i ever expected it to be (laughs) yeah that's Kind of the feedback I've been getting um, from, you know, a lot of the reviews that I've read the, about the action scenes. And, yeah, a lot of the feedback I was getting was about, you know, the action sequences and how engaging uh, they were. Um, and the rest of the film is a lot of exposition, uh, pretty much. But, yeah, that first opening scene, you know, I was going for, like, the James Bond thing where you, you open with an action section to you know get the audience riled up and i wanted that to just be over the top and i think it was um but i went back and redid that entire scene probably seven times at least seven times and that's a majority of the time right there it's like going back and redoing all that took so much time and getting it right and i came up with the idea for the cigar and the uh the alien fuel tank Later on, you know, thinking how can I incorporate these two items um, that he's getting in the first scene. Um, and then I knew at the, the final action sequence, I didn't want to have to go back seven times. Like I wanted to, I learned from my mistakes. I was like, I had to get this done right the first time. So I did that last action sequence without going back and redoing any of it. So I was, you know, determined not to redo what I've already done. So I'm glad they turned out well in the end. Would you would you say that's the longest portion is the animating for the action sequences? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because there's so much going on. There's so much compositing. You know, I wish I could share a photo of all the layering and <laughs> explosions and the effects. It's just it gets pretty wild. Whereas you have the dialogue scenes, which are just over the shoulder cut back and forth you're just doing some lip syncing it's pretty straightforward uh, you know i like those scenes because you can just i can bust through them pretty easily but yeah action takes a while i'm, I'm curious since it took you know, where it took 13 years i'm sure your computer changed quite a few times <laughs> and i feel like that would have a lot of 
issues. Not necessarily mm-hmm. issues, but that would be like part of it as well. Because I mean, how long does a computer last if you're using it every day or regularly yeah. every day? Yeah. Well, surprisingly, uh, I didn't have any major computer issues when I was working on it. I went through probably, not probably, I went through th- about four computers. Um, over that span of time and none of them like really crashed out i'm still working on the same hard drive that i was working on in 2006 <laughs> really? which is kind of scary yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't know if i've ever seen a hard drive last that long <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild i mean i i it still works I, but i'm using a different hard drive and i do back things up and i'm you know cognizant of that you know things don't last forever and computers can um crash on you out of nowhere and stop working but yeah it it is a big fear of you know getting to that point to where okay i've been working on this for 13 years and then like the day before you export everything just dies (laughs) you can't get it back that was my worst fear um even when i go on like vacations i'll back everything up onto a hard drive and take the hard drive with me on vacation (laughs) <laughs> you just in feel case, better with it on you right yeah in case someone like breaks into my home while i'm gone and you know steals all the hard drives and stuff at least i have a copy with me like have some peace of mind i couldn't imagine how confused a burglar would be if they just <laughs> opened that hard drive and that's what they found right <laughs> that would be this. great actually <laughs> I, I robbed the wrong house <laughs> um <laughs> And I'm, I'm. This is a little, slightly bit of a tangent, but I'm just curious. Um, since you have moved from Poser to Blender, is and it sounds like you took a lot of time to make the first one. I'm guessing there is no chance you're going to sit there and remake the first one with Blender. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have no interest in in going back and redoing. I mean, if someone else wants to buy the rights to it and remake it. That'd be cool, but I have no interest in redoing what I've already done. (laughs) I don't blame you. Um, Now, with you moving to Blender, I know there's probably been a a decent amount of learning curve, but are you glad that you've made that switch? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And for a couple of reasons, too. Like, It's not just to make the quality and it better and more aesthetically pleasing. Uh, but also just the the workflow efficiency is much better with Blender in terms of just the rendering, having access to better render farms, and the workflow is so much more straightforward. Um, it's just easier to use for making an animated film, and I and I, I kick myself for not diving into it earlier in life, like you know sticking with Poser for way too long not learning anything new, not challenging myself. Like that was a huge thing that I, you know, really regret um, doing. But, um, you know, and it's weird too, because like I posted a a video, you know, announcing the the sequel and what I was working on. And some people were actually like disappointed that I was moving away from Poser um, because they, you know, they liked that style, you know, and that, you know, that's that's great that they do. That's that's interesting because you don't normally hear that because most of the feedback is like, oh, this the animation is jarring. And then but you realize there are some people that actually do prefer that over like making things look a little better, which is interesting. So 
I guess there's a good charm with it. I mean, because, you know, I know like some of the slapstick in the film, it kind of does work to that advantage with right. the the type of animation it is. Um, and speaking of the um, kind of the slapstick cartoon logic thing, did that is that still going to carry over? Because I do feel like there is a slight difference with that type of animation. Like the what was the one that I remember the most? Probably the boss hitting the golf balls into the woman's head and she's not paying attention to it right uh yeah that has been a a concern with with mine of like okay if if you change the style of it some of the comedic elements from the first one would not translate um it's like you want to make it consistent yet a little better um but you can't get away with a lot of the comedy um, but I think even like with it being Blender, it's still not entirely realistic. It is a little more realistic. Um, but I think maybe there's some jokes that I won't be able to get away with as easily, like the golf ball. Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe it still would work. You know, I'd have to like really just test it out and just go for it. I mean, this isn't a movie where I, I hold back a whole lot. Um, it's kind of just you know, go with it and see what happens. But uh, there, there's still some slapstick stuff in, in this sequel as well. I, I want it to be consistent in terms of like the tone, if there even was a consistent tone in the first one. I know the there's a recent podcast that said the tone is all over the place and in terms of like it being serious. And then there's like a comedic element that happens within that moment of, you know, seriousness. So um, I'm trying to keep it as consistent as possible um even with the style so i haven't um listened to their particular podcast but i (laughs) I think for me it worked because and this is going to be slight tan but my one of my favorite films is tremors from 1990 and it's one of those ones that switches back and forth between horror and comedy but you know it did it in such a way where it was comedy at the right moments and it was tense and you know horror when it needed to be and I think there is a good balance you can do there. And I felt like this one did. I don't feel like, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't go into like the middle of a tense action scene and just make a joke in the middle of it. I think it happened. I guess it would be more naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a few things like they mentioned the um, part where the aliens attack towards the end at the, the banquet hall and then the, Timmy character um, in the middle of all of this of people being captured and dying says he has diarrhea. Um, <laughs> they said that was a bit jarring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's like things like that. It's like that. That's something that someone would not say in a situation like that, of course. But you know, I wasn't trying to make realistic dialogue in that scenario. Just trying to. My goal was just to throw people off and just keep it random. Right. Okay. And I think in the end that that goal is achieved for the most part. Which um, talking a little bit about the criticisms, I think one of the, you know, obviously I, I I learned about your movie the first time a couple years ago when I, when I watched Austin McConnell Hmm. and probably the other one that attracted me to watching it was the critics review um, trailer you did. How do you, you know, is it tough to have that? I'm not gonna say tough, but, when you work on something for so long, is there a way to get in that mindset of not letting criticism get to you that harshly when you've spent so much time doing it or? 
Uh, no, because you kind of expect it. Uh, I mean, it could be because film is subjective. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have to know that you're not going to make everyone happy. But I knew there there has to be an audience for something this wild and crazy. Um, like, I know they're out there and I know you have to weed through the people that aren't going to like it to get to them. Um, so even even if you prepare yourself, you still it still is like it kind of gets your, your heart rate up sometimes i mean you can't really avoid it i mean at a certain point it gets easier like you become numb to it it's like okay yeah whatever (laughs) i've heard it all um you know even my fiance has warned me she was like even before i was releasing like teaser trailers and stuff like that she was like you just have to prepare for that feedback you know that not everyone's gonna like it and i'm just like yeah i know i know i know how it's gonna go and even if you prepare yourself, you still feel that gut-wrenching feeling like, oh, man, I, you know, because you, you can't make everyone happy, right? Yeah. So you just got to do what you love doing, and whoever likes it, likes it, and whoever doesn't uh, can watch another film. <laughs> do you have, like, a sense? I know um, Quentin Tarantino always talks about the idea that he makes movies for himself, and if anyone mm-hmm. else likes them, that's great. Is that kind of the mentality you go with? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I think you have to make a movie that you yourself would want to see. Uh, and then, yeah, there, there would be other people hopefully that would share the same, um, interests as, as you, if you're making the film. So I think that's a good way to approach it. Uh, making a movie that you want to see. I think it's, um, a good time to also bring up the, when you finally released it, and the time between when you released it and Austin McConnell's video, what was, I'm not going to say the reception, but did a lot of people watch it prior to that? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, it was, like he said in the video, like he pointed this little arrow at the, the four reviews that it had over like seven month span. Um, even despite like running ads on YouTube and reaching out to different pub- publications, you know, there was, I did a few interviews with you know different publications that are lesser known nothing like crazy mainstream or anything that yeah even with that it didn't do anything like it would get one view a day maybe maybe two on a good day on the weekend um but it's the way amazon metrics go they give you how many minutes it's been streamed and I think the average per day was 100 minutes, sometimes less. It would be like 30 minutes, sometimes one minute. And it'd be like, okay, some person <laughs> watched one minute of it and turned it off. Um, so, and then it was crazy because after Austin's review came out, um, it went from like one to 200 minutes a day to 35,000 minutes the, the next day that, you know, he posted that review. Um, and then from then on, it was just, it's been fluctuating when, you know, and like what a difference it has made, um, since then. I mean, it's kind of leveled off. Um, it's nowhere near that right now, but, um, it's still, you know, that definitely lit a fire after that review came out. Now you reached out, if I'm remembering his video, it's been a little bit since I've seen it, but I seem to remember him saying that he got the email and didn't actually like watch the movie for a couple months. So did you mm-hmm. send a bunch of different YouTubers that review, like a, you know, an email or was it just certain ones? 
Uh, I, yeah, I sent quite a few emails. I lost track. Actually, when the review came out, like saying that I sent him an email, I couldn't even remember <laughs> that I sent him an email because I had sent so many. And I was just like, I don't even know who this person is. And I had to like backtrack and like look through my email. I was like, oh, yeah, I did send Austin an email. Um, but yeah, I, I have sent emails to any YouTuber who does any sort of like animation stuff or um, anything related to reviews on movies or, you know, if they have their contact information. Um, I've been recently sending some like Blu-rays out to their P.O. boxes and just trying to get the word out still. Um, you know, it's still not, you know, mainstream or known to a level that's, you know, I don't think where, it, you know, where it could be. I think it could be more um, than where it is now. But, yeah, I'm still, still trying to get the word out there. That's great. And um, is there things you kind of learned from the marketing of the first one that you're going to kind of incorporate into the second one or improve upon in the second one? I know you mentioned the Blu-rays, but mm -hmm. is uh, or do you kind of is it a little I guess it's a little bit different because I guess you have kind of a somewhat of a natural fan base included that you didn't have last time. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, this is more, this first one is more about getting the, the views and eyeballs on it. Um, and building kind of this, the fan base from there. And then, you know, the sequel hopefully will be a little easier because there's already that small fan base following it. And, you know, going on to the third one will probably be even easier than that. It's just trying to get things jump started. Um, you know, I don't know how much I've spent on YouTube uh, ads trying to just get it in front of people. And it has very little, very little impact. Um, you'll spend so much money and then you get maybe three, three views out of it. Like three, like people that actually sit and watch it. So it's like, okay, unless I have $10 million, <laughs> I can't make it super uh, worth my while uh, you know, marketing's tough you know like it, like the average marketing budget for an actual feature film is like double whatever the production costs were so yeah it's tough and you did mention with the blu-rays in all honesty when i went to your website i was actually surprised to see a blu-ray um, mm -hmm. copy has that been beneficial to have that uh, a little bit still um, yeah, it's pretty quiet in, in terms of like sales and stuff um, I'll, probably like one a month I'll sell um, since I've released them but um, yeah I'm, I'm hopefully going to use that to my advantage and you know just I'm more interested in just handing them out and sending them out um, and getting getting them out there into the world as opposed to like Oh, I'm going to make them profitable. It's like that's I don't think it's not going to be profitable mm -hmm. uh, or even break even if unless it becomes like a mainstream movie. Um, but at this rate, it's just like it's going to be relatively quiet. So um, I, and I only created the Blu-rays because there was a handful of people that really wanted the Blu-ray. So I'm, uh, I went ahead and went ahead with that. So. Well, I, you know, I haven't went through it yet, but it, uh, it I got mine, uh, I think, two days ago, finally. Oh, it already arrived. 
Yeah. So, cool. it, yeah, it um, it didn't take the too long. I know on your site it says it takes up to like ten days, but I think I got mine in five. Yeah, I had to put that on there in case I can't. You know, I'm on vacation or something. And I can't ship them out for a week or so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we can, uh, if you got some time, we can kind of sit there. I know you can't. You'd probably don't want to reveal too much about the second one, but uh, is um. You have a planned trilogy out, and the mm-hmm. first one was about two hours. Is that what you're kind of expecting for the second one? Yes. Yeah, probably about the same length. Um, judging by the the duration of the script, probably it's 180 pages, which they say, you know, the average is like a minute per page, which would be three hours for 180 pages. But, you know, a lot of the dialogue you can get through more than one page faster so um i think it'll probably be around two hours maybe a little over two hours so okay um and with the eventual third one i don't I, i'm not a very i don't know a whole lot about animation i'll go ahead and point this out so this seems like <laughs> a dumb question i apologize but when you make the second one since you're doing it in blender and i'm guessing you're kind of expecting to be doing the third one in blender as well Mm-hmm. With there being so many of the assets done, would that make the turnaround for the third one quicker once it's done, or does it not really make much of a difference? Uh, yeah, it could make it uh, a lot faster because, yeah, right now we're having to recreate pretty much every character from the first one in this new program, and it's not it's not a copy and paste sort of deal. Like you have to remake everything from scratch, aside from the base model. Um, so yeah, by the time I get to the third one, most of the cast will already be created, assuming the thing about Blender though, is that it updates pretty regularly and things can break. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully in, you know, five years or whenever that I'm starting the third one, uh, nothing is super broken to where I have to recreate more characters and do a lot of the, the touch up work. So you know, it'll be mostly like environments that'll have to be created. So, I'm just excited to see Timmy's pimp shirt and higher <laughs> definition. We actually just created, recreated uh, Timmy's character in Blender, and it does look a little. He looks a little older to match mm-hmm. the voice, um, but yeah, you can tell it's the same. But we have the pimp shirt there, and I think in the second one he's gonna be wearing a jacket for the okay. For the most most of it, and then he takes the jacket off at some point in the film to reveal the the pimp shirt, um, because yeah, that's becoming an iconic shirt. <laughs> you really need well, I guess because it looks kind of like a Puma font. I don't know if you could actually sell it, but that would be awesome if you could do that on a merch <laughs> store. <laughs> yeah, I actually looked into that. It's like, what would it take to actually get this created and sell merchandise? Have a pimp shirt? Because I, I swear, like when I came up with that idea. Maybe that's where I saw it was Puma. Uh, I, I swore I saw a shirt somewhere that said pimp on it. Uh, and so that's why I created it. But maybe I was thinking of Puma. <laughs> um, yeah, so who knows? <laughs> well, that's, that all sounds really great. I'm really excited to see what you do with the second one, especially with everything um, getting updated and I'm hoping I'm not in my, you know, 40s when I see it, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm super excited about it. I, yeah, I was working on it actually. Yeah, I work on it whenever I can. It's tough when you have a, uh, 
your full-time, you know, regular gig, uh, full-time job, um, it definitely, you know, doesn't add any time. But, um, yeah, I work on it as much as I can, um, you know, and everything else gets in the way. <laughs> so with this, you know, kind of being, you know, being a part-time thing for you, when you were during that 13 years, how many, you know, I know there's no way to know, but generally how many hours was it per week? Oh, per week. Um, yeah. well, it was different cause I, I was unemployed when I started and then I got a, um, full-time job in 2011 that, you know, definitely would drop those hours significantly. But like, even when I was unemployed, I'd probably spend a good 15 hours a day, 10 to 15 hours a day. Uh, working on it and then what's sad about that is that most of that time during those years uh, none of that footage was even used that was like on the old version of the movie which was called sleeping giant at the time so i didn't really get to like the current film that you see the final film assets until like 20 like or 2008 so um it's good practice time Good practice, yeah. yeah. The whole movie was good practice. <laughs> and, and I meant to ask this when we were talking about voice actors, but are I know a lot of them were your family, but the guy who played um, Kyle, is he going to be coming back? Yeah, he's already, he's actually already recorded all his lines for the sequel. Oh, awesome. Good. Yeah, so I was, I was sure to get him on board before people get too old and they retire. Uh, like the main villain, <laughs> he... Uh, I, I reached out to him in February, I think, and, you know, seeing if he'd be interested in reprising his role. And he said he was retired and I was you know, bummed out about that. So I had to try to find someone else and I had some people lined up. And then he reached out to me like six months later, I think. I forget when that was, but it was like months later. And he was like, I'm interested in taking on this role. And I'm kind of like, what happened? It's like, I thought you were retired. Um, so he did kind of some some test uh, for me, like a, a rehearsal or a audition thing for me. And you can tell he sounds older. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, because you can really, really tell a difference. And um, But, you know, I, he did another audition for me. And it sounded better. I don't know what what was different, but I guess it depends on what line he's recording. But he does sound um, uh, a little different, um, you know, depending on the line and how it's being delivered. So people are going to be older, and that's uh, nothing. Not much I can do about it. But the characters will not look older, hopefully. Okay, because this is I'm guessing based on the end of the first one. This is just picking up like as soon as the first one ends. Right, yeah, it's directly okay. after. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I want to do something um, kind of catch you off guard a bit, but I am curious since um, do you do you like a lot of sci-fi stuff, or were you interested in like sci-fi before doing all this? Um, kind of. I guess it depends on the the type of sci-fi, the type of movie that it is. Um, yeah, there are some sci-fi films that I enjoy, and some that I don't. Um, but I'm not particularly like a hardcore sci-fi fan. Mm-hmm. Um, like Star Wars, I think is okay, and you know that would get a lot of 
you know, backlash, you know, from a lot of people. It has a huge fan base, but like, I've never really been like a huge Star Wars fan, um, which is interesting because this film is kind of like Star Wars esque in a way, but more more comedic. Right. Um, what are some of your favorites? Uh, in terms of sci-fi? Yeah. Uh, gosh. I liked, I liked, uh, Gravity. And it wasn't really sci-fi, I guess. That was more action. Um, gosh. Um, there's some ridiculous ones, like The Fifth Element. That's a great one. Uh, yeah, that one's got, that one's got some good comedy in it, mixed in with some good action sequences. Um... Gosh, uh, I like Terminator. Terminator is one of my favorite uh, films. The first two, not anything after that. Well, I think the real question is, do you prefer one or two? <laughs> I prefer, I think, I think two. Ah, I'm still alone. I'm still all by myself. I really like the first one better. Oh, I love the first one. I love the <laughs> second one, too. But I just, I think it's where I grew up like a slasher fan. And the first one is just like a slasher movie with a robot. Yeah. It's actually, they said it was more of like a horror film than anything. Um, yeah, it's it seems more gritty. The first one does, um, and the second one seems more sci-fi. Yeah, kind of like that yeah. alien alien sort of deal. Yeah, it's kind of yeah the the liquid liquid metal stuff and yeah that stuff was so cool. I I, I love that movie. Like that is like a timeless classic, and I just yeah I can't get enough of it. Um, but yeah, Tremors is good too. I like Tremors. Yeah, I have to try to bring that up almost every podcast. It seems like because I think I'm like just everyone. It's not bad. I know you think it's bad, but it's not. It's a classic. I think uh, Kevin Bacon didn't. Uh, he didn't have high hopes for that film. He didn't want to talk about it. But then it became like this cult classic, and like he started like warming up to it. <laughs> He tried to make a TV show for sci-fi a few years ago, and it got canceled after the pilot, which has never been shown. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They had like a, and then they even decided like, oh, we'll go ahead and show you what the trailer was after we canceled it. I was like, I think that makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't help. But uh, I do want to do something um, a little fun because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this is animation. If yep. you had, let, let's say you were given access to anyone. In Hollywood, who would you cast as some of these roles? <laughs> I've actually thought about this. Um, gosh, I think who did I pick for Kyle? Either like Christian Bale, um, maybe Tom Cruise. Maybe, maybe Tom Cruise would be a good fit. You know, it kind of is like Scientology esque, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, or um, what's his name? Daniel Craig. Oh, Daniel Craig would be cool. Yeah. So any of them for the king? Maybe John Goodman. That yeah, I could yeah I could see that. <laughs> John Goodman. Uh, what was the other guy? Seth Rogen. Is his name? Yeah, Seth Rogen. Yeah. And what about uh, Dodrick? Dodrick. Uh. Gosh, I wish I wish. Uh, Dennis Hopper was still around. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought of who would play Diederich. He looks, like they say, he looks kind of like an orc. 
Um, I don't know. That's that's a good one. I'll put out my vote for Nicolas Cage because I feel like you can just throw him. <laughs> Nicolas <fine>. Cage. <laughs> just, just add some angry dialogue and it'll be perfect. Yeah, I can see <laughs> Nicolas Cage playing a uh, character of Nicholas, the, oh, the ship God. ship guy, captain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's um, good. Well, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to me about all this. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, thanks for the uh, the invite. It's been great. This is actually the first actual like podcast interview I've ever done. So yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, the invite and uh yeah putting this together well hopefully um i'll still be doing this when the second one comes out i feel like <laughs> if you can work on a project for 13 years i can make this go on at some point <laughs> this is like my third attempt at doing a podcast so oh really i'm oh. trying to make this one work <laughs> nice yeah we just yeah. gotta yeah keep at it and yeah don't want to give up so um, yeah. You know, if you want to go ahead and plug a little bit, um, you know, I know you want to talk about your website or anywhere where people can kind of get updates on the second movie. Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel. I, I don't post regularly, but uh, whenever there's something, a new update, I have a YouTube channel. It's just Cody Vibbert. Uh, last name is V-I-B-B-A-R-T. Um, I also have the film website, um, com. And I'm also on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and the links are on that uh, that website as well. So, um, yeah, that's all the places to get a hold of me. If anyone wants to get a hold of me uh, for interviews or um, just, you know, uh, connect on social media. That's great. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and catch you later. Thank you. Uh-huh.